wonder Turn to mountains that I can't climb Oh, you're with me, never leave me There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy I got an old church choir singing in my soul I got a sweet salvation that's beautiful I got a heart overflowing cause I've been restored There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy No, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy Clap your hands and stomp your feet till you find that gospel beat. It's all you ever need, all you ever need. Clap your hands and stomp your feet till you find that gospel beat. It's all you ever need. All you ever need. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful i've got an old church choir singing in my soul i've got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful i've got a heart overflowing because i've been restored there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy no there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy Sing it one more, more time. Got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I got a heart overflowing because I've been restored. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. No, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. No, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. All right, all right. Everybody have a seat for a minute. Well, good morning and welcome once again to Burlington Baptist Church. And I tell you what, there's nothing going to steal our joy after seeing this this morning. Isn't that the truth? Well, uh, my name is Beth Claxon, and I'm the Children's Ministry Director here at Burlington Baptist Church. And if you're a first-time guest with us today, we'd like to thank you for joining us for worship. And we would love, as a first-time guest, to connect with you. And the best way to do that is through a connection card. So if you're watching online with us this morning, you can just click the link, and it'll take you to an online connection card. And if you're here in our sanctuary for the very first time, you can scan the QR code right in front of you, and that will also take you to a, a connection card for you to fill out. We just like to connect with you and just to let you know maybe some other opportunities in the church here that you might like to get involved in. So I'd like to encourage you to do that. Well, we've got a lot of things going on here at Burlington Baptist, and this morning I'd just like to highlight a few of those. And the first is that we will be having a MOPS kickoff meeting this Wednesday night. They're going to meet the first Wednesday of each month. It is going to be downstairs in our lower level in the children's area, and that will be at 6.30 p.m. until 8. Of course, child care and children's programs are provided, so you'll have some place for your little ones. Now, MOPS stands for Mothers of Preschoolers, so if you are currently pregnant, um, have a toddler, a preschooler, or a child in kindergarten, you are eligible to come to that, and we would love to have you come out for that on Wednesday, October 6th, 6.30. We actually have an outside speaker coming in and speaking to us that evening, so it should be a lot of fun and fellowship for that. Um, next, I'd like to remind you that our pastoral care committee is reaching out to our emergency room workers and staff at St. Elizabeth here in Florence. Now they have gotten a card and addressed it to each one of those staff and workers and have put them out there at the starting point desk. And what they need you to do is to pick up one of those cards and to write some words of encouragement inside of that for them and to also include a $25 gift card. So you can stop back there in the um, starting point desk and pick one of those cards up and it's a wonderful thing that we can do as um, outreach to our community in reaching these healthcare workers. 
Also, um, it's not too late to still give to our Liza Broadus offering. Now, Eliza Broadus offering, you know, we have a lot of special offerings as Baptists here, but this one in particular is a wonderful thing because it goes to help um, new church plants and missionaries and all kinds of different ministries right here in the state of Kentucky. So if you've not had an opportunity yet to give to Eliza Broadus, I'd like to also encourage you to do that as well. We know we often get up here and we tell you about all these things, and sometimes we don't tell you about events that have happened and and how they went. So this morning, I'd like to share with you about our craft fair that we had uh, last weekend. Now, the craft fair um, started several years ago, but all of the monies that we raise from the craft fair go to send children to camp. So 100% of the proceeds go to that. And before I tell you about how successful it was, I'd like to say a special thanks to Leslie Duckworth, and of course, I think her family as well. She is just the true mastermind to putting this event together, and I tell you, we couldn't not do it without her. And also she has helped with Brandy Ramsey and her family. And I tell you, these two ladies are just a dynamic duel and they are just such a success in making our craft fair a success. We also had a lot of help from our deacons and other people in the church that all came out. And I tell you, our vendors loved us. We had over 90 vendors, over 1,000 shoppers, and we made over $5,000. So... So that's a great thing. Um, this morning, of course, our children are joining us, joining us, and it's kind of, it's a wonderful day, but it's a little bit of a sad day. Miss Mary Beth Wallace has been leading our children's choir, and she's going to take some time to step away from that. We're going to continue with choir in the interim, but um, we just so much appreciate all you do for our children, and thank you, thank you, thank you. At this time, we're going to continue with our worship service, so before we do so, I would love to lead us in a word of prayer. So would you pray with me, please? Father God, we just come to you now in praise and thanksgiving of who you are, God. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. You're the Lord Almighty, and God, we love you. God, just thank you for your love and especially for your forgiveness, God, that you sent your only son to die on the cross for us, for our sins. He took that punishment, but God, he arose again and is with you in heaven. And God, we thank you for the eternal promise of eternal life. God, now as we can thank you that we can come together to worship and to lift our voices. And for these children here today, God, thank you for them and their families. God, we ask that you open our minds to hear your knowledge, our spirit to feel your guidance, and our hearts for love. God, help us to be good stewards of your word and to share that with others, God, to share the gospel. It's something that we all need to do, God, and just, you know, sometimes we get embarrassed or we don't want to, God, but why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to share your love with others? And we thank you for that. God, now be with us as we continue in our worship service, and I pray these things in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's stand back up together. I wanted to uh, take a minute, too, to uh, brag on my team. I used to get really, really nervous when I went out of town that things were going to fall apart, but <laughs> they don't even really need me anymore. And uh, the nice part is, is they got all of this together without me in, the in practice with the kids on Tuesday. So I want to give them a hand up here for doing all that. And now here's a fun song. Lindsay's short. They might not be able to see you over the kids. Perfect. But... <laughs> But uh, if you know this one, sing along with us.
have a seat the kids are gonna do one not you guys you guys stand back up yeah that's the most important part oh whenever you're ready
Amen. How can that just go? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, young folks. We appreciate that. The future of the praise team looks good, doesn't it? Amen. Amen. We're in Daniel chapter 1, if you want to turn there. Really excited about starting a new series. Uh, the title is Courage in the Mist of Chaos. And uh, I'll talk more about the title and the theme as we go. Uh, but if you want to turn to Daniel chapter 1, it's right after the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Daniel chapter 1, I invite you to stand. And this morning we're going to talk about living without compromise. And uh, as we go through Daniel, I, I appreciate your prayers. I, I've studied Daniel, and I, I love the book of Daniel, but I've never preached it. And uh, a little harder to preach sometimes than to study. And so I appreciate your prayers for that. And I just want to take a second and thank you for just uh, the birthday party last week. Uh, you all just blessed my socks off. And I'm so kind and <laughs> cards. And uh, just thank you for, for that. I appreciate the ones who did that. Thank you, Jenny and the staff. And uh, just, just thank you so much for that. Uh, I sure appreciate it. I want to say a happy birthday to Miss Jen. Miss Jen is my friend from back home, and she always watches. And so we all say, happy birthday, Miss Jen. Happy birthday, Miss Jen. Awesome. She, she says she feels like she's part of this church, so uh, thank you for doing that. And uh, anyway, Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competence to stand in the king's palace, to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food, or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see, why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward from the chief of the eunuchs, had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servant for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took, them, took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Hananiah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the book of Daniel. Lord, we pray that as we begin this book, that you would be our instructor, that your spirit would, would teach us. Lord, we pray that uh, we would be receptive. We pray that we might be courageous in these days. We pray we would learn from Daniel, that we would understand some things about uh, your sovereignty, your favor. Lord, I pray that the lost might be saved and in the church edified, built up, that you might raise up some courageous leaders. 
Lord, we pray even in these next few minutes that you might speak to our hearts. Give us responsive hearts. Give us ears to hear. And uh, Lord, we'll give you praise for all that you accomplish. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated and we'll jump right in there this morning. The book of Daniel takes place, or Daniel goes to Babylon in the year 605 B.C. 605 B.C., and so we're in the 6th century B.C. And the book of Daniel records events that took place in history. And what we're going to see is uh, we're going to see that man is active in history. And we see that in places like Daniel 1.1. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So man is active. We're going to see that God is active in history. We'll see that in places like Daniel 1-2. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Uh, and so as we journey through Daniel, we're going to see history. Uh, we're going to see theology, and hopefully we'll learn some things about God. And then before we get done, we'll even look at some prophecy. And so the title of this series is Courage in the Midst of Chaos, and uh, we live in chaotic times. Uh, Brother Michael's leading a timely study called The Church in Babylon. Well, throughout Scripture, Babylon often refers to a place of wickedness, evil, worldliness. And then throughout Scripture, Jerusalem is often referred to as the city of God. We know that the temple of God was in Jerusalem. We know that Revelation says there's going to be a, a, a new city, a new Jerusalem is going to come down. And, and so uh, just as there are two roads, there's a broad road that leads to destruction. There's a narrow road that leads to life. There's two roads, two gates, two doors. Uh, there, there, there are also the sheep and the goats. There are two masters. There are the wheat and the tares. And so Babylon is really the antithesis or the opposite of Jerusalem. And so we can think of Jerusalem as the city of God and godliness, Babylon as the, the, the city of man, worldliness, evil, anti-God. Paul reminds us as believers in Philippians 3.20 that our citizenship is in heaven. But we're not home yet. And so until we make it home, we could say that we live in Babylon and again, Babylon representing the worldliness and the evil world systems. And so I want to start this morning by looking at the setting for Daniel. And I, I just want to quickly kind of summarize Israel's history. Uh, we know that there was a time when God caught out a man named Abraham, and, and he was kind of the father of the Jewish people. We know that the Jewish people were in slavery in Egypt, and God brought them out. We read about that in the book of Exodus. And eventually God took them to the land of Canaan. And that's the, the promised land. And God gave them this good land. And uh, he expected his people, he expected them to be his people, to worship him, to obey his instructions. And, and before they got to the land, uh, let me just share what, what he said to them in Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 says, If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. What a promise. All the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of, the, of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bows. Blessed shall be... You be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you. And so God said there's blessings for obedience. But he also said, look in verse 15, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Verse 25 says, The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall be a whore to all the kingdoms of the earth. Then verse 36, The Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over you, set over you to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone. And so if you decide not to follow God's ways, then you will endure the cursings from God. So we have this history. We have these Old Testament and we, in the Old Testament. 
And so there became a, a northern kingdom, the ten tribes up north. They became their own kingdom called Israel. And there was two tribes down south. They were called Judah. And their capital was Jerusalem. And uh, the northern kingdom, Israel, uh, they rapidly turned from God. They uh, worshipped idols. They did wicked in God's sight. God sent prophets to them to warn them, but they continued in that wickedness. And so in 722 B.C., God sent the Assyrians, and they came and defeated Israel. Uh, Isaiah 10.5 says, All Assyria, the rod of my anger, of their wickedness, their disobedience, God used a pagan nation, Assyria, to come and defeat Israel. They're spread out. We never hear of them again. Now, we would think that Judah, the southern kingdom, they would have learned a lesson there. But they continued in this downward spiral into idolatry and evil. And, and listen, God was patient towards them. And, and he sent prophet after prophet after prophet. And the prophets would go and they would warn them to turn from evil and their idolatrous ways. And they ignored the warnings. Listen what the, the prophet Isaiah said to them. Uh, Isaiah chapter 39 Verse 6 and 7 says, Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who, who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And so Isaiah warned them about what was going to take place. They ignored the warnings. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, and his Babylonian army came against Jerusalem in 605 B.C. And that's where we pick up the story of Daniel chapter 1. So notice verse 1 and 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, or attacked it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, that's the area of Babylon, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. And so the, the holy things from the temple were taken to Babylon and put in Nebuchadnezzar's temple to his God. Now, I'm going to go ahead and highlight what I think is the theme of the book of Daniel. And the overarching theme is the sovereignty of God. Now, you might hear that and say, well, wasn't last year in Job, wasn't the theme of Job the sovereignty of God? Yeah, and the theme of the whole Bible is the sovereignty of God because, church, this is his story. And from beginning to end, our God reigns. And so, verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. God disciplines his people, and he used the Assyrians to discipline Israel. He used the Babylonians to bring discipline against the evil of his people in Judah. And the results, the Babylonians took the vessels and the articles, the holy things, out of God's house, out of his temple, and they took it to Babylon and uh, put it in the temple of Marduk, who was Nebuchadnezzar's gods. Then in verses 3 and 4, we see a, a terrible deportation of some of the people of Israel. And so... Uh, notice verse 3, the king commanded Aspenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank, and they were educated for three years. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he had this well-formulated plan. He would go to these defeated uh, nations. He would pick out the kind of the cream of the crop, and he would take them to Babylon. He would train them in the culture and the, the beliefs of the Babylonians, and then he would employ them in his service. And, uh, and so here's what he was looking for. Verse 4, youth without blemish. Now this word youth, sometimes young, is, is usually refers to someone who's 14 to 17 years old. And so Daniel and his friends would have been young teenagers. They were young enough to adapt into a new cultural setting. And so Nebuchadnezzar wanted some, some good-looking young men who were intelligent. Verse 4 says, skillful in all wisdom 
endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and they were competent to stand in the king's palace. And so these young men would need to know how to handle themselves. They wouldn't be in an embarrassment uh, before the king. Verse 3 says that they would be from the royal family and of nobility. And so he, he had a certain group that he, that he wanted, uh, a particular criteria. And their intentions was, in verse 4, to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Now that word Chaldea is just a, another name for Babylon. Uh, Chaldean has a little bit more to do with magic and divination, but those words are kind of used interchangeably. So Babylon was recognized as a center of, of knowledge and learning. And so these young men, they would have been taught astrology, astronomy, uh, architect, architecture, art, pagan religions. Basically, they would be indoctrinated, or we could use the word brainwashed, into a pagan environment, and the intent was to transform them really into Babylonians. And so they wanted to get it when they was young, and they wanted to teach them. Very intentional here. And notice verse 5, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And, and so it was as if he wanted these young men to get accustomed to, the, to having these food provisions and all the good things that the king had to offer so that it would be almost crazy for them to decide to turn their backs against that. They would become dependent upon the king. And so this dependency, I, I think our government sometimes wants people to be dependent upon them. Well, that came from Nebuchadnezzar because he started it way back then. So in Daniel 1.6, uh, it tells us the name of these four young men who were selected. And their names here in verse 6 are their Hebrew names. And to that culture, names were so very important. And a part of the assimilation into the Babylonian culture was to change their names. Now, their Hebrew names had some connections to, to God, the true God. They were replaced with Babylonian names that connected them to Babylonian gods. So, verse 7, Daniel, which means God is my judge, is, his name is changed to Belshazzar, which means Baal protects his life. And so, the god Baal is introduced. Hananiah, which means Yahweh is gracious, his name is changed to Shadrach the command of Aku. Aku was the Babylonian moon god. Mishael, who, who is what God is, is what that means. It was changed to Meshach, which is who Aka is. So they, they, changed, they, they changed part of the name to another god. And then Azariah, Yahweh is my helper. His name is changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, which is another Babylonian god. So all these changes were an attempt to get them to forget about their Jewish heritage, their Jewish culture, and specifically their Jewish religion. And what we find for these four young men in particular, you can change their names, but they couldn't change their nature or their heart for Yahweh, the true God. In verse 5, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and the wine that he drank. We can imagine what that would be like. And so while they might have been, that, that might have been quite nice for some of the young men that were selected, for Daniel and his, his three friends, this would be a tough dilemma. Now, there's a few reasons why it would be a tough dilemma. Uh, a few reasons why they might have had problem with this food and drink. The, the main reason, I think, is because in Leviticus 11, we find a, a, a list of dietary restrictions that God gave to His people, the nation of Israel. And we're familiar with the word kosher. Well, the kosher is, is a, a term that refers to the foods that comply with their dietary, dietary rules. So it's likely that much of the food that they were provided would have gone against those standards, and it would have been defiling to a faithful Jew. It's also likely that much of the food and drink that they would have been offered had been offered as a sacrifice to idols. And, and that would have gone against their conscience. That would have been offensive to them. And, and there might be other reasons. I, different scholars vary on why this was so defined. But in verse 8, Daniel makes what I call a, a tenacious decision. Here it is. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. 
Now, church, this is a really big deal. Uh, Daniel is in a foreign land. He's expected to comply. Uh, the best I could, this would be like an Afghanistan woman uh, telling the Taliban that she's not going to cover her head. Well, that'd be pretty serious. Well, Daniel being not willing to take this food would be pretty serious as well. And so, uh, who thinks it would have been easier just to kind of go with the flow? Yeah. I mean, you aren't in Jerusalem anymore. You're a long, long, long way from home, and nobody's probably going to see what you eat. Wouldn't it be pretty easy to compromise here and just say, well, I didn't really have a choice in the matter. I mean, they gave me this food, and, and basically I had to eat it or die. It would have been very easy to compromise. And so I think it's worth noting the resolve of Daniel. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved, or he purposed in his heart, that he would not defile himself with the king's food or, or wine. Now, I wish I had that kind of resolve. I, I wish that I was at a point where I'm going to obey God whatever the cost. In verse 8, we also see the request by Daniel. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Now, they didn't have any religious exemptions in Babylon. He's not saying, well, I'm going to use my... No, no. And we'll come back to verse 9 in a moment, but verse 10. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see, you, see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger... He's saying, listen, if, if you eat something else and you waste away to nothing, it's going to be my head. And so, I'll be silly to let you do this. And, uh, and so, uh, Daniel presents a very reasonable request in 11 through 13. Daniel said to the steward from the chief of the, the eunuchs, had a sign, verse 12, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables. And this word vegetable means that which comes from the ground. Uh, let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Now, I like this about Daniel. I mean, he stood up for what he believed, and yet he wasn't demanding. He offered a, a reasonable proposition. He says, hey, hey, let's just give it 10 days. And uh, if things don't go well in 10 days and I look famished, then you can change the diet. And, and lo and behold, verse 14 says, so he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. Does it, does, it, does it surprise you a little bit that the chief of the eunuchs listened? Well, you remember the theme of Daniel? Well, that's the second major point again this morning, the sovereignty of God. We're going to see that. I, I'm going to take just a moment to give you a few glimpses of the sovereignty of God. We've already looked at Daniel 1-2. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. There were 20 kings in Judah. Only eight of them were good kings. The other 12 did evil in the sight of God. And Jehoiakim was one of the most wicked. You can read about him in, in uh, Chronicles and Kings. Uh, but we see the sovereignty of God in, in the fall of Jerusalem and in the fall of King Jehoiakim. And again, God had repeatedly, repeatedly warned Judah to turn from your wicked ways. Finally... God sends King Nebuchadnezzar to Jerusalem, and this time, instead of fighting for Judah, God fights against them. He allows the, the Babylonians to conquer Judah. Not only do we see the fall of Jerusalem, but we also know the favor of God. Now go back to verse 9. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And listen, Daniel was young, but I'm sure that he recognized this as a God thing. Daniel requests this 10-day trial, and, and he says, let us eat the vegetables and the water. And verse 14 says, he listened to them. Church, that's a God thing. And it doesn't stop there. Notice verse 17. As for the, the four youths, God gave them learning and and skills in, in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and, and dreams. And we're going to notice the favor of God throughout Daniel. And, and we're going to notice the favor of God throughout the Bible. 
Notice verse 15. At the end of the ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. Uh, I know I'll be chasing a rabbit if I tell you if you do the Daniel's diet, you might end up fatter in flesh. But uh, for years, people have been buying those books and doing that diet, and sometimes that's the result. But that was the result for them. But do, do you think it was the vegetables that made them stronger and healthier? Or could it be that God's favor was upon them? Yeah. And does it stop there? They have greater intelligence. Uh, again, verse 17, he gave them uh, greater understanding, learning, skill, wisdom. Uh, notice verse 18. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chiefs of the eunuchs brought them to, in before Nebuchadnezzar. This is the day of, of the, the interview. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. So Daniel and his friends, they were head of the class. There might be some hyperbole there, but they, they stood head and shoulders above the rest because God's hand of favor was upon them. Daniel 2, 48, we'll, we'll get there next week. It says, Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men in Babylon. Uh, when we get to chapter 6, just quickly, verse 3 says, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And as we continue through this book, we're going to see over and over, we're going to see the sovereignty of God, the favor of God, and that leads to the third main point, the steadfastness of Daniel. The last verse here in chapter 1 says, And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now Cyrus is the king of Persia, and the Persians conquered the Babylonians in 539 B.C. So, Daniel was taken exile in 605. About 66 years later, I, I didn't make you all do the math this morning, but about 66 years later, uh, here comes another king, and they defeat the Babylonians. And so let's say that Daniel was around 14 when he came to Babylon. Uh, he would be in his 80s by the end of, of his life, and he outlived some of the most powerful kings that this world has ever known. He's in a foreign land, He's in a very pagan culture, different kings and kingdoms, and here we have old Daniel just trying to shine a light in the midst of darkness. Somehow he stood strong and steadfast in his faith to God. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. That's certainly true of Daniel. And so I think about Daniel, and he lived without compromise in a very pagan culture, and uh, you know, he's one of the few. We don't find a single negative word about Daniel in the Bible, which is amazing because the Bible just tells you like it is. And when we get to Daniel chapter 6, uh, verse 4, the presidents and the satraps, they sought to find a, find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Well, they wouldn't have to look hard today, would they? Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And as I have just been reading Daniel again, I, I just think, man, maybe God would raise up some Daniels today. Uh, and listen, America needs some Daniels to run for office. When's the last time we've had a Daniel in the, in the White House? Someone, when they spoke, you knew they were speaking the truth. Maybe God would raise up some, some Daniels in our churches, and they stand on the Word of God, and they're people of truth and convictions. God could do that. And sometimes we had to get out of our comfort zone and run for office, but we need some Daniels. Now, I might have rushed through some of the details of chapter 1, but I want to spend a little time on this last point, just the significance for us. And I'm going to say this, if Daniel could stand steadfast in a pagan place like Babylon, then we probably got to throw out some of our excuses. It is believed that in Daniel's life that he lived through 13 kings, if we count the ones in Judah, 
Babylon, 13 kings and four different kingdoms. And so maybe some takeaways this morning, just a, a few. We, first of all, we need convictions. Daniel made up his mind that he was not going to stand for the things, that he was going to stand for the things of God, and he was not going to be defiled by the things of the world. Now listen, we're being pulled and tugged and dragged by worldliness, secularism, materialism, idolatry, you name it. And church, we need convictions. And they're going to be harder and harder to stand on. And they're going to be resisted. And they're going to be resisted even by some people in the church. I've told Brother Jonathan, our, our culture is pulling families so far, so fast, that, that convictions are being thrown out the windows. Listen, if our young people don't get their convictions from the Word, they're going to get their convictions from the world. And they're completely opposite each other. And so church, listen, it's no time for the church or it's no time for Christian parents to throw up your hands. We have to go to battle for the hearts and minds of our young people. And listen, it's a battle. And it's not going to be easy. And it gets harder all the time. The secularists and the progressives, they want to indoctrinate our kids in public schools. And there are some people waking up to, to some of those schemes. Listen, we need to know what our children are being taught in schools. And that's on the parents. We need to know what critical race theory is and some of the stuff they're being taught. We need to stand against that. Listen, I, I got on a school board one time, and I, I don't know that I recommend it, but I want to know. You, God might want you to be on the school board to know what's being taught. And, and, and listen, just to a large extent, our, our higher education has already gone to, down the drain. But I'm not giving up on the younger generation. Listen, I, I think they're going to see through some of this hogwash. I think that they, they, you know, when you can't call a man a man or a woman a woman, there's going to come a point where they're going to stand up and say enough is enough. And so I, I think we can learn some things from Daniel and, and from the others. Listen, as Christians, we're going to have plenty of dilemmas and decisions to deal with, and we're going to have to decide where we stand. And we, 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 we might stand, we're going to stand on the Word, or we're going to stand with the world. And here's what some are going to Some are just going to go with the flow because it's easier that way. I don't think it's honoring to God, but it's easier. And others are going to kind of withdraw from uh, as much as they can, and they're going to guard their children, and they're going to isolate it from culture as much as possible. That, that's a, kind of another extreme. But I think Daniel kind of has a third option here, and I think his option is, why don't you engage without compromise? And I think that's a good approach. And now there are some things that he could go along with. He could say, oh, change my name if you want to. It's not going to change my heart for God. You tell me whatever you want to. And, and I'll take your, your teachings and I'll take what's true and I'll reject the other garbage. But there were certain things that Daniel says, I, I, can't, I, I got convictions about these and I'm not going to compromise. And for Daniel, it was what he ate. Ours might be in regards to the pronouns that we use for one another. Or it might be our view on marriage or sexuality or our, our view on abortion. Or, or it, might be what we're, it might be for our teachers what they're willing to teach or not teach. They might say, listen, I'll, I'll teach math, but I'm not teaching that. And so there are certain things where we've got to say, nope, that's as far as I'm going. And the bottom line is our convictions won't do us much good if we don't have the courage to stand on those convictions. And so we need convictions, and secondly, we need courage. Daniel's convictions could have cost him his life. He's in a foreign land. This wasn't some simple negotiation. Hey, let's, let's talk this over. He couldn't claim a religious exemption or uh, a constitutional right. He, he didn't have any of those things. But I think that Daniel was convinced that God would honor his courage. And so as we go through Daniel, listen, I, I, I don't see panic I see poise and, and even peace in those times. Psalm 46.1 says, God's our refuge and strength, the very present help in times of trouble. And so we look to Him and we say, God, may you raise up a generation of courageous young people who will change the world for the sake of Christ. And there are some courageous ones. We had prayer yesterday in, at uh, Covington at the Radisson over, over the cities and, and there was a bunch of young people there from northern Kentucky. Man, they're courageous. 
And so the last point is we, we need Christ. Listen, we can't stand on our own. When I try to stand on my own, listen, I'm weak and timid and fearful and cowardice, and you can just add to that list, compromising. But we're more than conquerors through Christ. And in Christ, listen, we can stand as confident as David stood before the giant. He really didn't have a shot. But he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord my God. Listen, we, we can have that kind of confidence in Christ. And so as we close this morning, I just want to remind us that Jesus came to meet our greatest need. Our, our greatest need is the forgiveness of our sins. We're sinners. We all decide to do it our way instead of God's way. We rebel against God. We're evil. Our sin separates us from God. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came. And he came with convictions. And he came with courage. And it was his courage that led him to the cross. And on the cross, he who knew no sin took our sin. He took my sin. He paid the, the punishment, the penalty that we were deserving of. And he defeated our greatest enemy, which is death. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we're healed. Jesus did that for us, and I believe that according to the Word of God, man is lost apart from a genuine saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came, and He died for our sins. He was buried on the third day. He arose again, and He invites us to turn from our sins and to believe upon Him. And so this morning, before we close, I, I want to give you an invitation to respond in courage. It, it takes some courage to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Would you have the courage this morning to respond in faith to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is living and active. We need it so much. There's much to the process here in this first chapter, and, and we live in difficult times. And Father, we're reminded this morning you're sovereign. This is your story. You reign from beginning to end. And Lord, help us to have convictions based on your word. Lord, forgive us of the times where we've compromised with the world because it was easier to go with the flow. We pray you would give us courage to to live out our Christian faith, to, to stand boldly on your word and to draw that line in the sand and, and say we're going to do it God's way, even if it costs us something. Father, we pray you call out some Daniels amongst us, some young people who stand on the word, who'll be different, who you can use to, to bring about change. I, I pray for some courageous parents and courageous leaders. I, I pray you might raise up some to, to run from office and who would be true to the word and, and not be influenced by money and powers, but, but be solid on your word. Do that, Lord, we pray. And if there's any loss this morning, we pray that they would turn from their sins and courageously acknowledge you as Lord. Do that today, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning and Listen, if God's spoken in some way, this is your turn to, to say, God, I want to be courageous and, and respond. And you may be a parent, and you're going to say, I want to, I want to be a courageous parent. You, you may be a student and say, I want to be like Daniel. I, 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 it's hard, and, and everybody's going a different way, but I, I want to have the courage of Daniel to stand against that. Maybe you're in a workplace where it's tough, and it's hard. I... Maybe we just don't know how hard it is for you to shine a light in that darkness. Listen, I'd love to pray with you. Or you can come and pray and say, God, help me to let my light shine. He'll hear your prayers. And if you're lost this morning, I, I want to invite you to turn from your sins and just courageously confess Jesus as Lord. I, I'll be down front. I'd love to speak to you about any of those things. If, if you have another decision, you'd like to join the church, if you want something going on I, I can pray for you about this love for you to respond this morning. Lord, I come You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. 
for just a moment. Brother Michael just would like to share just a quick word. I 